This is Purple Elephant, where I bring the proverbial elephant to the table in order to deconstruct ableism, prejudice and misconceptions. On today's episode, we have Louise from Pink Pear Bear. She's a fantastic blogger and in the last year she's been diagnosed with ADHD. So she's here to talk about what it's like to get a diagnosis as a woman with ADHD. I've learned so much and I think you will too. Please listen to this episode and share it because I think it's going to help lots and lots of people. The misconceptions that a lot of a lot of GPs still have and even some psychiatrists are things like uh, you have to be hyperactive to have ADHD mm. which is not true there's three kinds of ADHD there's hyperactive and um, there's inattentive and there's combined and with inattentive it's more that your thoughts are hyperactive rather than you're physically hyperactive. Welcome to Purple Elephant Louise, how are you today? Oh I'm really well thank you um, and really happy to be here so thank you for inviting me on. Oh well thank you so much for coming on, I have loved following your journey online over the last, was it five years you've been blogging now or longer than um, that? It will be six years next month which yeah blows my mind a little bit, <laughs> I don't yeah. know where that's gone. <laughs> I know it's crazy and I think I met you quite early on in my own blogging journey. I think it must be a good five years at least. Yeah it feels yeah it definitely feels that long ago to me yeah yeah I feel like I've just known you for for ages and obviously following you online as well so um yeah it's nice that you can form friendships like that online absolutely so for those that don't know you would you mind introducing yourself please of course um I'm Louise and I blog at Pink Pear Bear and I've been blogging for six years um, almost. And I started talking a lot about mental health and things like that. And recently I discovered that I've got ADHD, which hadn't been on my radar at all. And um, explains so much. So, um, so yeah, so now I talk a lot about ADHD and especially ADHD in women, because it's very, very different. Mm. What I feel that I've learned from you is so much that I've never really learned from anyone else and I'm I feel so grateful that you're choosing to share your story online because you're educating people like myself that didn't know anything about it or I had the kind of stereotypes in my mind from having children or boys especially with ADHD and how it um, transpires in them so yeah do you want to explain your journey to that? Yeah of course so um Exactly like you said, I mean, I had in my mind that ADHD is um, boys at school jumping on the desks, jumping out the windows, you know, you you kind of have that stereotype and um, I had been trying to find out what was going on with me. I'd, oh, years and years, I think I was first put on antidepressants when I was about 15 um, and I'd struggled at school, I'd struggled with friendships. Um, I would always try and change my, I, I think of it as being sort of like a personality chameleon um, to fit in with the various groups that, you know, I was trying to be friends with. Um, I had terrible anxiety, really bad social anxiety. Um, and I kept going back to the GP and I was given more antidepressants, you know, different antidepressants. I was told it was anxiety and 
I've got two children and I had very bad postnatal depression um so they put it down to that and um yes yeah, so I got to sort of last year um and I really ended up just feeling really bad sort of the worst I felt um and I was eating so many carbs I was eating so much sugar I put on a lot of weight I just felt really anxious all the time really low and uh, one of my best friends said to me have you ever thought about ADHD and I said no I haven't because I also had the stereotypes um, of what it was but she said I think you should look into it so I started reading about it and it was like a jigsaw piece all the pieces were falling into place and making a picture of my life um, and I joined Facebook groups and I felt like I could you know like I was like oh I could have written every single post in here um, and it was such an overwhelming feeling when you felt a bit different all, all the time like I'd always felt like I just didn't quite fit and I just wasn't quite doing things right no matter how hard I tried I didn't quite get it right socially or lots of things like I would start new jobs and be really enthusiastic about it and then I'd end up quitting and lots of new hobbies I'd start them get really into them and then I'd just stop doing them and I was always told if I put as much effort into doing my work as I did avoiding it um, I would have done very well at school um, so I carried all that with me that I could have been successful, but I wasn't. And to suddenly find out that there could have been, there could be something behind it and it, and it had a name and there were lots of other people the same as me was huge, absolutely huge. Um, so I contacted my GP and I asked for a referral for an assessment. Um, and I was very lucky it was really really quick and I was diagnosed within a week of my um, visit to the GP which is very unusual wow. um, yes and then I was put on medication and everything changed for me it, yeah I don't know just monumental I think um, I, I'm now much more organized I'm much calmer I felt like I had a core that was just pure anxiety and I felt like that was just sucked out of me and replaced by pure calm which wow. I know I just never have believed it possible before because I lived with that anxiety for so long and it dominated everything to suddenly be free of it and um, I started rebuilding my self-confidence and my self-esteem and then I started talking about it online and I was blown away by the response um it was incredible and then I started making TikTok videos about it and I didn't expect you know I'd been on there for a while I felt like I didn't get it I was the wrong demographic for it I was you know too old it was all sort of kids dancing and things so I, <laughs> I just thought no I'm not you know I'm sure I'm not going to do very well on here and suddenly I woke up and one of my videos was on like I think it's now on something like 
250,000 views. Amazing. Um, But it happened really quickly. The main thing is the amount of messages that I get from people. It's similar to what you were saying, that people were saying I had absolutely no idea. And um, I've had lots of people saying, you've helped me to understand my child. You've helped me to understand myself. Thanks to your videos, I'm now diagnosed and yeah that's been the very very best thing for me mm. and I you have some fantastic resources that I'll link in the show notes about not just your journey but the the characteristics of ADHD in women have you got any that you've you've explained from your own personal perspective but have you got any bullet points that you could share with the audience in case they're thinking could this be me um yeah so I think there are things like um, a long history, probably, of depression and anxiety diagnosis, diagnoses, diagnoses, um, <laughs> and a very noisy brain. You know, my my head was never quiet. It, I had so many thoughts in there. Um, I would always be thinking about what I hadn't done, what I needed to do, how bad I was at everything. Um, so I, I was quite snappy a lot of the time because any external noise was just too much because my head was so noisy. There's a lot of links between ADHD in women and, and eating disorders. So um, I had terrible issues with binge eating disorder, always be reaching for the carbs and the sugar because it gives you the dopamine. Things like online shopping or just shopping in general because it gives you a little dopamine boost. Um, being very critical of yourself, self-critical. Uh, I never knew where my keys were. I was always messy. Um, my house was always messy and I didn't know why. Lots of things that, it also sounds a lot like anxiety, but when you really look into it, it's things that have been a difficulty for you for your whole life. A lot of organisation, getting projects in on time, getting stuck which is uh, executive dysfunction where I'd know that I needed to do something but I just couldn't start it and I would be telling myself all the time that I needed to do it and I just couldn't yeah there are there are lots and lots of indicators and another thing with women is it's very very uh, linked to hormones as well so female hormones have an enormous effect on ADHD which is why for women, the teens are very difficult. Um, the like post birth, if you've had children, and also a lot of women are now finding out as they come to menopause because suddenly they just can't keep going anymore. So, yeah, that is so interesting. I have been reading a lot because I'm quite geeky. Been reading a lot about like the the human body and especially to do with um, hormones and then women having periods. And I think it, there's this kind of systemic oppression against women, um, obviously of the patriarchy, but even now in the, the century that we're in and the lifestyles that we lead, women still aren't being taken seriously. When it comes to seeking advice or seeking support for mental health issues, whether it's an external feeling that you have or an internal feeling that you have and you think so there's something not right here most doctors seem to put it down to the fact that it is because you're a woman 
rather than the fact that there could be your hormones at play because you are a woman biologically wouldn't be listened to because people would dismiss you and disregard almost like what you were explaining with yourself I don't think it comes from a place of malice I think it comes from a place of education and especially GPs they have to learn so much and when you deep dive into things like mental health or even chronic pain for something like I have that's why you need to see a specialist but we are written off women especially and especially people and women of color are written off very quickly as in it's all in your head and we will just try and fix that bit and not look at any external issues and what could be affected by that yeah I I agree if you look specifically at ADHD they really haven't looked at women with ADHD they haven't looked at girls with ADHD the assessment was uh written for boys the oh there's so much to it like you say they're general practitioners so they need to know a little about a lot and they are the gatekeepers to accessing the experts and the misconceptions that a lot of a lot of GPs still have and even some psychiatrists are things like uh, you have to be hyperactive to have ADHD mm. which is not true there's three kinds of ADHD there's hyperactive um, there's inattentive and there's combined and with inattentive it's more that your thoughts are hyperactive rather than you're physically hyperactive so it's and that is generally not obviously not completely but as a general rule more women seem to present with inattentive um, and so there's just not the awareness and so a lot of women will go to the GP and they will say but you're not hyperactive or you've done really well in school or you've got a good job so you can't have ADHD mm. and these things are so damaging because that's not true <laughs> um you just have to work a lot harder to achieve the same things there's also a very strong genetic link uh, so a lot of women discover that they have ADHD when they go to get their children tested and they realize that they have a lot of the same traits and they think, hang on a minute, but because they haven't ever really looked at women with ADHD, they don't make the links that um, they don't make the genetic links because if it's not coming from the father then they're like, oh, well, there's no genetic link, but they're not looking that it come, you know, comes down from the mother. So mm -hmm. Yes, and it's terrible, isn't it? You, you go and they sort of say, well, it's probably hormones. And you just think, but that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, even if it is just hormones, it doesn't mean that it's not important to look into why, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's terrible. It's not good at all. Yeah, I, gosh, I, I could definitely talk about that topic for a long time. And I'd even love to get some experts on to discuss that very thing, because I, I read and I consume, but it doesn't mean that I can reiterate or regurgitate in a, in a way that maybe others would understand where I'm coming from. But it is, unless you've been through the system of seeking support, especially when it comes to through physical or mental support, it's just dismissed 
by everyone for such a long time. And anything from chronic pain, as we said a minute ago, through to mental health issues, all the way through to just general life. If you are struggling with something, they will find, they will try, unfortunately, not blaming them, but they will try and find a way to medicate you just to stop the symptoms rather than find out the cause. And usually when you find out the cause and effect, you can then actually put someone on the right medication or the right therapy or the right support. And like literally like for you, it's like a light switch has, has changed and you feel, I think you said you feel like the person you felt you've always should have been. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I've had so many different antidepressants prescribed because that's just what they were giving to me. They're, oh, you must be depressed, have some antidepressants, but the antidepressants raise your serotonin levels, but with ADHD, it's um, actually a neurological condition where you don't make enough dopamine. So it doesn't, you know, you might feel temporarily better because obviously having a big boost of serotonin is going to make you feel better, but long-term it, it's not going to help you because it isn't fixing the issue. And I think that actually um, I am now going to cost the NHS a lot less because every time I went back and got different antidepressants and they didn't work and then I go back again but now I'm on a medication that has eradicated all of those other things and I'm going to be much less of a drain on the system because I won't be going there and you know I I now know what's going on and I have the correct treatment and that's exactly what you're saying isn't it that if we all instead of trying to treat the things that they think, you know, these additional things or the things that are caused by the, the real issue, um, it's costing them a lot more money and a lot more time. And yeah, it seems like uh, from, from a lot of what I've discovered since I've started researching, um, but is that people are happier to diagnose bipolar disorder than ADHD and so many women are getting a diagnosis now and they've been told that they have bipolar disorder for years and they've been on really strong medications and yeah and actually the whole time it's been ADHD. Um, That's really scary isn't it? It is really scary. And I think the saddest thing is um, imposter syndrome is huge with ADHD. And I think years and years and years of being told that you you could be better or you feel like you failed because you didn't get your essay in on time. And it all erodes your, your self-confidence and your self-belief. So the person that you have to work hardest to convince yourself about having ADHD is yourself. Yeah. And so when you go, it takes so much courage to go to the GP in the first place. And when you get told that you're wrong, it's not that. It's very difficult to fight back against that because you feel like they are a professional and you are not. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have the strength to fight it. And so it's, it makes it impossible to keep, you know, fighting for what you, what you, you think you know, but you don't trust yourself. And I did so many self-assessments and I 
resonated with all these Facebook posts and I read all these articles and I thought it's me it's me it's me and still even when I got diagnosed I didn't believe it like fully I thought that I had somehow filled in the assessment um trying to get the answer that I wanted I wondered about my psychiatrist credentials whether he was actually a proper psychiatrist I, I still couldn't trust myself uh, and it was only when I took the medication and I felt so dramatically different and realized how lots of other people had felt the whole time that I thought everyone felt like me and I realized they don't <laughs> they actually <laughs> don't feel like me they're not um I thought everybody lived in chaos behind closed doors and then managed to hide it better when they came out and now I realise that actually they don't have all that noise in their head and they can look at a messy room and see how to tidy it up or not let it get messy in the first place. Um, and it was only then that I really started to believe in my diagnosis. So that's how strong imposter syndrome is. And when you are a woman going in to seek help and you get told that you're wrong <laughs> and yeah. you're, it's anxiety, it's life, it's being a mum it's having a busy busy job it's very hard to fight back against that yeah and it must as you said the imposter syndrome but it sounds to me like it just erodes away of who you are your self-esteem your personality almost your the self-concept of yourself because you've been told a lie for your entire life really this is who you are and then when it comes down to, no, actually, this is who you are, but we can support you in this way. And yeah, it's it's a drastic, it's a drastic change. I'm just so grateful that you are on the podcast sharing this because I think it will resonate with a lot of people, not only just from learning about your experience, but knowing that although it is exhausting and being a self-advocate is so difficult especially when you're the one trying to seek answers from the professionals sometimes unfortunately you have to do your own research your story just really resonates with me and I think it will resonate a lot with my my disabled community of listeners because on average it takes about 12 years to be diagnosed with a chronic illness and uh, yeah because everyone believes it's just in your brain um, and it's diagnosed again as like a mental health disorder and if they cannot pinpoint through through your bloods or your enzymes or things like that what it is to them it's like well you're just making it up yeah and it's exhausting isn't it trying to educate again and again and again you see a new person and you you know you, you have to start again and I mean I was 37 when I got my diagnosis and I'd been um yeah back and forth to the GP from well you know I think there were definitely signs when I was a child but obviously it was a different time then and people weren't aware and you know it, I try not to look back too much because even if I was diagnosed as a child I don't know what you know they would have done or um medication was very different but I think the fact that I just went again and again and again and nobody picked up on it and I was you know sent away with another prescription or um told to try CBT or um it does get very draining and I think the other thing that is is really 
problematic is when people are dismissed because they have done their own research and they get told, um, lots of people get told, oh, you're, you're self-diagnosing from TikTok or oh. you're self-diagnosing from Google. And you think, actually, um, the fact that people can do this and can share their stories and can make TikTok videos about it is something that just wasn't available when I was younger. It just wasn't there. And I yeah. think it's actually really helpful and um, takes a lot of the, the legwork away from them because I, I think it's brilliant that people are self-diagnosing and finding out finally after years and years and years they watch a video and it could be ADHD or it could be, a, you know, a chronic fatigue syndrome or all of these things. And they watch a video and somebody explains to them how they feel and then says, and this is what I'm diagnosed with. And this is how I'm making myself better. Isn't that just so fantastic? Because it gives you something to go on. Absolutely. And it's so I am so grateful to the NHS, like I would not probably be here today. I wouldn't be surviving if it wasn't for the NHS. But, you know, we do have a, a big issue in the system where you shouldn't have to try and self-diagnose through doing your own research, through finding people on the Internet. And I, I've, I could probably think of five friends that I've made online in the last six or seven years who all have been in exactly your position and they've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome or they've been diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome because other people online were sharing their story, sharing their journey to, I kept getting turned away, I kept getting neurological assessments and it wasn't working and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I finally got a diagnosis and this is the path that I took. And now this is my journey to recovery or at least stability. And we, it's the beauty of the internet that I, I love being an educator. I love sharing my story. I love sharing other people's stories, but it's really sad to me that this is the time that we live in because we're a first world country. If you think of, the lack of resources that we have as a first world country, what, what resources or no resources support and help do people get in second and third world countries? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The fact that our mental health services are so underfunded um, is, is absolutely tragic because the amount of people that don't get the help that they need. And I think, like you I agree I think the NHS is fantastic and we're so lucky to have it um and the you know all of the people in the NHS work so hard and they're so caring but they're all really limited um they're limited by funding they're limited by how many staff they can have on their team um and yeah I think a lot of people in a lot of countries have no help whatsoever and their entire lives, they they don't live a full life. And that's just, it's tragic, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give to someone, maybe even if it isn't just ADHD, but someone that's in your position, feeling that you're not quite yourself, you aren't who you're meant to be, and you don't quite fit in, would you give people advice to look elsewhere 
yeah if you're feeling like there's something not quite right and I think it's very important to trust in your instincts um I think that's kind of gone out the window a lot really people aren't people are just saying well you know if you if you see a professional and you're told there isn't a problem then you've seen a professional but I think it's very important that we try and listen a little bit more to to our instincts if you feel like there's something not right um you know try and try and do a bit of research maybe have a look online search for some of your your symptoms or your traits see what comes up have a little look apparently um tiktok's quite good for giving people um i always get people saying oh this keeps coming up in my for you page and i feel really targeted it's like it knows me and i don't <laughs> you know like I you know that. i have no idea <laughs> have a little look out there because there is an awful lot out there. There's lots of videos on YouTube, there's TikTok, there's um, Instagram. You can just search for your symptoms and just trust in yourself. I think that's really important. If you feel like there's something not quite right and you feel like you want to, you just want things to be different, but you're not quite sure how or how to get there or what could be different. Um, I would definitely say do some do some more research. Um, you know, there's so many books on different topics out there now. You can you know listen to some audio books. But I would say don't give up. That that would be my main thing is is don't give up and suffer in silence if you feel like there's more to it. Absolutely, I think that's fantastic advice, and I really do hope that everyone listening to this, especially if they they are feeling in that stuck situation that you you look online you try and find community I think Facebook has been wondrous for you I and for someone like myself with chronic pain there are great Facebook pages out there but I love Twitter I think there's so much on Twitter and now TikTok that can really help give you a sense of community so even if it's not necessarily getting a diagnosis straight away you, you'll make friends, you'll have people in your corner that understand you and will let you explain, this is the way I feel. And instead of judging you or dismissing you, they'll say, I get it. And I think having someone almost listening to you, truly accepting that this is your truth, instead of trying to find a solution that isn't the right one, is more powerful sometimes than the 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 research and the diagnosis of itself absolutely and even if you just lurk in the group and you just sit you know sit back and look and watch the post even just hearing other people saying things that you feel or you've experienced um is incredibly powerful and can be really healing as well if you've if you've really suffered for a long time and it's really ground you down and you feel totally invalidated by everybody that you've been to see and spoken to but then you suddenly find a group full of people who feel the same way experience the same thing um yeah it can really really help definitely thanks so much for listening to this episode of purple elephant adhd in women with me your host sassy white and the lovely louise williams of pink hair bear i hope you got lots of this episode i know i did 
she definitely busted a lot of myths and misconceptions there's so many great links in the show notes please check it out if you're not already please follow louise and most importantly i hope this episode has helped you to become a better human being